Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How to Speak Maintenance. My name is Jason Fine, and with me, as always, is Becca Ramadi with TAA Education Foundation. So, hey, Becca. Hey, Jason. So, I'm really excited about our conversation once again. I have Russ Rubin with HD Supply here with us. He, Russ has 20 plus years of experience in the maintenance field, and he's also been on the supplier side. So, that kind of gives you a, a both sides of the house, right? It and does. Yeah, he now serves as the regional sales director for Texas, Louisiana, and Oklahoma. So welcome, Russ. Thank you, sir. Great to be here. And joining us again is Chelsea Odom. She is the learning and development manager at Camden, my home. Welcome back, Chelsea. We just want to start diving into this. You know, last our last conversation was about education and training. You know, it'd be great to spend some time talking about a little bit about what we discussed last time. So we spent some time talking about how people learn and making sure we're meeting them where they are. So, you know, Russ, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's really critical to understand that everyone learns at a different pace and they have a different style. So I think first, you really need to identify the skill level of that individual. And then once you identify that, what style is going to be best fit for them? Are they hands-on? Are they, hey, I need this step-by-step? Or can you just let them go? Um, Hey, here's the task. Go get it done. So I think those are two really critical steps. And I think the, the final step is really just building a good relationship with that uh, individual, uh, know what they are capable of doing. And then, for, for example, some corporate offices have specialized training that maybe this person is going to be attending. It's good for you as their supervisor or maintenance lead to let that trainer know, hey, here's the skill level of this person, because it'll just enhance the training that they receive. Um, you don't want to you know, have too high or too low of a skill set training and because you may run the risk of having someone bored at that training and they're not going to get the full benefit of it. So always be able to tell that trainer, hey, here's the skill level of this person. It just is a benefit on both sides. That's interesting. Chelsea, what are your thoughts? How do you model for retention and make sure that uh, people are learning in their, their form that they prefer? Well, Russ, you are uh, speaking to my soul with communicating with trainers. In the L&D world, communication is key, obviously, Um, but we also use a learning pyramid that we use is based on psychology and basically just understanding how the brain works. And so whether you're a mentor or a leader who's coaching uh, somebody on your team, it's really important to understand how our brains naturally absorb and process information. And it's really the same for everybody. And so if you're looking at the learning pyramid, The sort of passive learning comes from just hearing a lecture, reading an article, listening to a podcast. But where you really find the most knowledge retention is when you move into the more participatory methods, which involve hands-on practice, getting in a group and talking through different challenges, teaching others what you learned. And so with this learning pyramid in mind, we have a lot of learning solutions that we design that no matter if it's self-paced where you can do it at your computer or on your own, or maybe it's a more synchronous approach in a workshop, you're going to be asked to actively participate in breakout room discussions, be sharing your perspective and collaborating on different uh, shared documents or projects, playing a game. We love games at Camden, uh, sparking a little friendly competition. 
Using a variety of different technology platforms and methods can really help the learner retain more or have better odds of, of knowledge retention through a blended learning solution. So we try to keep that in mind. That's good. Yeah, I mean, there's, there are a lot of barriers to maintenance training. There's a lot of tickets. There's a lot of turns. There's a lot of things that pull us in different directions from day to day. Uh, I'd really like to dive kind of into uh, the different uh, barriers to uh, maintenance training. So you know, one of the things that I, I've seen in the past is teams taking time to make training, right? So on a Friday, say after lunch, we're all going to go down to the, the maintenance shop and, and tear, tear apart a washing machine or take apart a golf cart and make sure it's working properly. So, you know, Russ, what are your thoughts on some of the challenges and, and, and or, you know, different tools that we can use to be able yeah. to help our teams? There's just a ton of resources out there. So, you know, many management companies offer training themselves, but some don't. They're just smaller management uh, companies and they're just, they don't have that corporate training. So there are a ton of resources out there. I think you talked last time uh, to look at manufacturers' websites that they'll oftentimes have uh, training videos about their product. But if you go to taaef.org, backslash training, you're going to find great links there to different suppliers, HD Supply, for example, Lowe's Pro Supply, Century AC. We have training videos that are on the web available at any time, 24 hours a day for your staff to take. And the great thing about it is, again, it's, it's at their leisure. Um, they can start and stop the video and, and rewind if they need to. There's also links to BG Staffing in Liberty Group, you know, for the office staff. And if you click it a little bit deeper in there, uh, you'll find that there's live trainings that several suppliers have. Uh, HD Supply has them throughout the year. You can also click on your local apartment association's link for their training. So there's a wide variety of training out there. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, corporate driven. It's, it's great knowledge to just improve your skills uh, for your particular um, position that you have. I've attended some of those HD supply classes and I, I enjoy them. So anybody out there that's looking for you know, classes, please go to the, the link that Russ was talking about. And Becca, you'll put that in the chat as well, right? It's in the chat. And thank and you, Russ, for plugging that. That's something that came out of our maintenance council, which Russ and Jason are both part of, as a resource that they felt would be really helpful for someone looking for you know, trainings, just like Russ said, but also individually, if someone's looking to improve their skills, or if someone on the office staff is really inspired, hopefully by this series, to go learn a little bit more and be curious and, and grow your own knowledge and your sort of helpfulness around property. Chelsea, if I'm trying to have my employees sit down and, and take online training, what sort of barriers or, or things do you think I should, I should, our team should work on to try to improve online training? Yeah, I think it's important to know that, just like Russ said, there are resources out there everywhere and they're at our fingertips. But if we don't give our team members uh, the opportunity to have a quiet, distraction-free learning space and learning time, then they're never going to be able to fully take advantage of those resources 
something that we're looking into, you know, since the pandemic, we've seen a huge shift in lots of videos, lots of online content. We're working with our IT department to figure out, okay, what technology do we need at our communities to make sure that they can access that content in a way that really sets up a great learning experience for them? Um, And so some things to think about are, do you have a dedicated space? We're looking at creating learning labs in in our cities that we operate in that are, again, quiet, distraction-free. If somebody is in that space, they are hands-off. And it's not, you know, in the middle of a room where somebody's digging through boxes looking for supplies and distracting them and people are having coffee conversations in the background, but it's a dedicated space so that those team members can really take advantage of all the really great opportunities and resources that are out there. So it really does take some coordination with the various departments in your organization to make sure that you can set up those spaces. And for our maintenance teams, making sure they're equipped with materials they're going to need, like meters and gauges and test kits and things like that, that are dedicated just to that learning space. It's important, right? If you're going to require employees to take online training, you have to have the rec- the, the computers as well as the quiet time. That's, that's important. Uh, Chelsea, one of the things that we talked about was peer trainers. I, I'd love to hear more about how peer trainers can help with uh, training and, and, and making sure our teams have the, the proper classes that they need. Sure. This program is near and dear to my heart uh, at Camden. We call them peer trainers, but essentially they're subject matter experts in the field. And they could be maintenance techs, assistants, supervisors, but they go through a rigorous training to not only be subject matter experts um, on targeted, we call them training on demands or TODs, uh, but also the art of public speaking, effective facilitation techniques. And so we have this sort of group of folks who are highly trained, They are highly trained on various topics. And so what happens is we've got a TOD request form that people can access through a QR code. And as soon as they scan that code, they're taken to a form that they fill out, just basically assessing what their needs are, timeframes that they would be uh, available to have that training conducted. They can even request certain folks if they know, hey, I saw this person on one of the dashboards. They're really killing it with their turn days. I would love for them to come out and and help the team. And so our peer trainers will go out, fulfill the request, and um, deliver that on-demand targeted training, which is really neat. That's great. I, I think but I love the thought of the peer trainer. I mean, the, the having somebody else besides a trainer, somebody that's a peer coming to me and spending time with me, I, I would I'd find more value in that. And I think our teams do as well. So I think that's a great program. Seems like quite a benefit as well. Like you're getting this one-on-one or small group interaction, be having the chance to really hone your skills and learn something new. So I could see that as a as a benefit as well. Another thing that uh, is a benefit to peer training is the confidentiality or the comfortableness that they have with that person. And so they're going to ask those questions. They're not going to be embarrassed of, oh, I don't know if I should say something. And so 
just better training overall and better comprehension, I think, in the long run. Russ, yesterday we talked about the idea of cross-pollinization. Do you, you mind talking to us about it and, and uh, what your thoughts are on it? Sure. Um, so I heard that phrase several years ago and I loved it. So cross-pollination is where you can train somebody to help benefit them uh, to learn something that's outside their skill set. So an example would be um, talking to, as Becca mentioned earlier, about the training videos online, taaef.org uh, backslash trainings, that uh, an office staff can jump on there and, and learn a little bit. But if your, your maintenance staff will go in and just have conversations or t- take them on walkthroughs of, of vacant units and point out different items and so that they get an understanding of how things work or when a resident calls in for a repair, what they may be talking about. So training them on maintenance stuff, as well as the, the office staff training the maintenance staff on uh, you know their job duties. Um, so a, a quick example I think that I can give is uh, when a resident calls in to call in a work order um, and their air conditioner is not working, they say it's blowing hot air. It would be great if the office staff would know, okay, hey, do me a favor, go ahead and turn it off. Because if that unit is frozen up, it gives that time that unit time to defreeze. So when the maintenance staff gets there, they can make that repair. If that's not done, the maintenance staff will go up. They have to wait for it to thaw out and may delay that repair. So, you know, giving them just some basic knowledge is going to just help cross-pollinate or help educate other staff members across different functions of the property. That's smart. And it definitely would help with identifying the the actual issue in the apartment. So then your time isn't wasted running around the apartment looking for the, the problem. So... Right. I think also one other uh, quick thought here is, is that if we train other staff members, let's just say on the maintenance staff. So you've got a, uh, a staff member that knows how to do some repairs, but doesn't know appliance repair or uh, electrical that well. You'll want to train that staff member how to do those uh, tasks. One, in case work orders start piling up and you need to get them taken care of on a timely basis. But more importantly, think about your on-call situation. So what if that staff member is on-call? They don't know anything about garbage disposals or how to do a repair. That resident needs to wait until the following day to get it fixed. Whereas if we would have just spent a little bit of time training him or her, uh, that could have gotten repaired. Resident satisfaction is, stays at a very high level. And, you know, not adding to the next day's tasks. So I've got a hypothetical situation for you. You want to go on vacation. You want to move up in the company as a maintenance supervisor. Now, to be able to do that, you have to have somebody that can be able to take over for you while you're gone or be able to take over the property as soon as you leave. So what are your thoughts to the pitfalls to training others? Uh, you know, I, I I think there's a big myth out there. You know, I don't want to train anybody below me because they're going to eventually take over my job and I'm going to be without of a job. That's just not the case at all. Again, we talked about the benefits of cross-pollinization and training. So, you know, we wanted to train people so that when we do go on vacation, we get to go on vacation. We don't need to worry about it. You've got a competently trained staff that can handle any situation that might come up. 
Chelsea, what are your thoughts on how it impacts morale? Well, I totally agree with everything Russ just said, because vacation is important to your well-being. And if you can never really unplug and recharge, you won't be giving your best self to your team. And really, that's what they deserve from you as a leader. And they don't deserve a leader who's burned out, stretched thin because someone always needs them and they can never delegate appropriately. So the best thing to do is go through an exercise with your leaders where they list out all of the tasks and responsibilities that they're in charge of, and then put a star next to the ones that only they can do and nobody else. And question every star that gets put on that chart, because anything with a star, really get them thinking about, okay, is that because they don't have access to a system? Well, why can't they get access to the system when you're gone? Ask them prompting questions because after a while, they start to erase those stars and figure out, you know what? Other people can do these these things and I need to get my mind wrapped around that. I like that. And if you train somebody up to take over your job or or to eventually maybe one day become a maintenance supervisor, then you have a highly qualified maintenance tech or assistant maintenance supervisor there on your team. So it would only help the, the, the entire group and the skill level. So, you know, Chelsea, one of the things that we discussed was the road to maintenance program. Do you mind talking a little bit about you know, the road to maintenance program? Sure. I know last month I gave a little teaser out, but if you're interested in learning more about how to implement a program like that in your organization, please reach out to me. Our road program is conducted two times a year and we take applications. So anyone wanting to be a maintenance supervisor or grow themselves on the maintenance team can apply. They have to meet certain requirements. So CPO and EPA certified, have taken core classes at Camden, as well as meeting some metrics that we look at, like turn days and service requests, times, uh, just to make sure that this is truly somebody who is a leader for their team and they take learning seriously. And so they go through an interview process and those meeting the requirements will go through a three-month program where they learn the ins and outs of what it means to be a maintenance leader at their community. And we understand that as a maintenance leader, you're not only managing tasks and and the technical side, but you're also leading people. So throughout that program, they're learning the technical skills for various programs that we use as maintenance supervisors, budgets, uh, ordering supplies, and any of those shop and administrative duties, vendor scheduling and such. And then we move on to more leadership and soft skills part of that maintenance leader. Um, where they get trained on handling employee conflicts, dealing with angry residents, and other sort of people topics. And by the end of the program, they get to swap roles with their maintenance supervisor and get to lead the team for a few weeks. And I'll tell you the biggest challenge here is not the road candidate taking over for those two weeks, but the MS giving up the reins for those two weeks. That can be very challenging. So learning opportunities for, for both ends. No, I think the program is fantastic. I, 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 it's interesting having the supervisor give up the reins and let the technician be the supervisor for a week. And the supervisor actually becomes a maintenance tech. That's It's really interesting. And it's great for them to be able to flex their new muscles and be able to see if they, if they retained 
what they learned or if there's an opportunity to be able to maybe do some additional learning. So uh, speaking of learning, Russ, I, I kind of want to talk about a, a topic that we discussed yesterday as well, which was having having individuals learn outside of their job duties, meaning office learning about maintenance and maintenance learning about office. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah. So it just helps total resident satisfaction. So if we can keep that satisfaction level high, we're going to have high retention rate, not totally having the office staff know everything that a maintenance person does because the skill level and the skill sets are a little bit different, but having that general knowledge and vice versa knowing about budgets, knowing what's, um, you know, uh, corporate is asking in regards to the property, you know, future needs, knowing what each other are doing is going to create a uh, positive environment. um, And it's going to be more beneficial for the property uh, when both the staff in the office, as well as out on the maintenance side, work hand in hand together. It helps with communication, right? If, if the office understands what the maintenance team is working on, they'll be able to communicate better with them and and help them improve their time efficiency as well as vice versa. So um, Chelsea, one of the things that we talked about yesterday as well was as leaders, we have to understanding value communication and clear expectations. Do you want to talk a little bit about that as well? Sure. You know, the very first thing that we teach in our leadership training is setting clear expectations. So that people know, okay, what's the target? What am I aiming at? Um, And making sure that that is at the forefront of their mind. So that as they're going through their daily, learning the ins and outs of their role, they can say, okay, I know I'm hitting the target here, but I'm still a little foggy on this. And that can help you create individual development plans and get them thinking about what learning opportunities might help them grow as an individual. And that's the biggest part of leadership is, is being able to figure out, okay, is this per- person meeting expectations or do they have some gaps that we can they can fill? Or maybe they are really advanced in certain areas and they can be a subject matter expert or peer trainer in the future. And I love Russ's comment about cross-pollination and getting people thinking outside of their roles too, because what happens when you do have an individual who's who's meeting all of those expectations that you clearly outlined and they're ready for a new challenge or to learn a new facet of the business? That's ultimately what we want our leaders to do is to understand how the whole machine works in big picture thinking, right? So uh, the more that we can really clearly define what success looks like and then monitor their progress and give them stretch challenges along the way and learning different different roles and, and shadowing others, that can only help their, their growth mindset in developing their leadership skills. I like it. it. Definitely, we spoke about this last month, investing time in your people and making them feel important. And that helps with morale and it helps with making sure that they feel appreciated. So I, I, I love how it all ties back together again. One of the things that you know, I've seen in my career is uh, my training as a maintenance employee. I have to learn plumbing, I have to learn electrical, I have to learn painting. And so they're very technical skills. And I always enjoyed it when I had the opportunity to learn some soft skills. So, you know, Russ, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about your thoughts 
on uh, the mistakes we might make in, in building these maintenance training programs? Sure. So, um, you know, coming from the maintenance side, you know, I agree with you. I, I received a lot of training on the technical stuff, but the maintenance staff really sees the residents more often, uh, oftentimes than the office staff does. So they're the face of the property. So when talking about training, we really want to include the maintenance staff in resident communication, in conflict and resolution uh, training, uh, management uh, style and skilled training. You know, include them in the same kind of training that you're doing for your office or your management company uh, staff. Um, Again, resident satisfaction is is the number one thing that I always looked at when I was on property. Um, we've got to keep that at a high at a high rate, and one way to do that is making sure that everyone on the staff is trained in every facet of the company. I like that, Chelsea. I know that you've got a program of some sort that you can that is inclusive and it includes maintenance. Absolutely, we have our leadership program that we built out in-house. And I'll tell you, a lot of companies make the mistake of separating maintenance from leadership and not involving them in those same leadership programs. We did it for many years where we were like, you know what? Let's separate out our maintenance leaders because we can build out scenarios that are really relevant to their world. And then we got to thinking about it and just have this epiphany one day that, you know what? Our maintenance they lead people just like our community managers and our corporate directors do. So why not have everybody pulled together in the same leadership training where they're learning about things like Russ mentioned with conflict management and communicating with residents and effective delegation, handling ethical and sticky situations or coaching. Those are all things that all leaders in our organization do. And when they can be in the same training, handling the same challenges together, just like they do every day, because at their communities, the community manager and the maintenance supervisor are tackling challenges together. So why should it be any different when you're involving uh, that same mentality for a leadership program and getting the benefit of having your support teams there with you because they're also there helping you tackle those challenges as well. So I think it's very important that Whatever leadership program you're thinking about is very inclusive of all the leaders in your organization that you cover topics, like I mentioned earlier, because you know, no matter if you are on the finance team or maintenance team, you're leading people, and there is a lot to understand about that responsibility. You know, having a seat at the table is so important, and one of the things the maintenance council talks about is sort of the lack of value that maintenance teams often feel within their company whether their company is rewarding them for good work or not, if you don't have a seat at the table, it's something like a leadership training or separating out maintenance leaders from other leaders, you're not, they're not going to feel that value. So I think that's a wonderful point and a really important thing to do as well. These two How to Speak Maintenance discussions have been fantastic. I've enjoyed talking about maintenance training, how people learn, what pitfalls might keep us from making successful training programs or or how people learn and, and how that all impacts it. So I really hope that everybody that's listening in or watching the videos uh, can pick something up from it because 
spending a couple of hours a week or a month just teaching some new skill to our maintenance employees will it will pay dividends in the future. So I really appreciate everybody's. I'd like to just uh, remind everybody again, the videos on the website, <laughs> but also please reach out to your supplier partners. Our job is to help make your job easier. And no matter who your supplier is or what type of product, reach out to them. They're happy to help you. Um, and again, train you in whatever you're needing. So um, many times it's free and that's the best cost. So well, Russ, Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Thank pleasure. you. Thank you all for having me back. Thanks.